Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I remember I hit 18,000 views and I went to sleep. I was like, sweet. And it kind of stopped at 18,000. I was like, sweet, 18,000 views. That's insane. And then I woke up and it was on like 800,000 views and I had gained 20,000 followers overnight. And I was like, holy shit, this is insane. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all of you good humans out there. Thanks for tuning in to Good Humans Podcast once again. Ah, Today, we have a pretty special guest. This guy is absolutely killing it in the podcast game. He has got over a million combined followers on TikTok across a few different pages. His podcast has had over half a million downloads over the last couple of years. But what inspires me most about this guy is that he's doing it all for the right reason. He realized in school he didn't really get taught all of the skills that he feel like he needed to. So he's taken it upon himself to educate people through the power of social media, the skills that you don't learn at school. Very similar values and very similar mindset to the way that I like to look at my life, to be honest. And yeah, it was great to get to catch up with Byron. Byron Dempsey is his name. Uh, he does host a podcast. It's called the Driven Young Podcast, and he's building an amazing brand below the Driven Young organization. So yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you send myself or Byron a direct message. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Let us know if anything inspired you or anything interested you. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you leave five stars on both Apple or Spotify, whatever platform you are listening on. Leave us a review. Send us um, yeah, a screenshot and chuck it on your Instagram story if you really feel up to it and leave a little link for your friends to listen to because the best way to get more people listening to this podcast and the best way to inspire more people to live that positive, good human life is to yeah, share it around. Um, big thank you for everyone who has been tuning in. Numbers have been going up every single week. This week's guest, earlier in the week, Chanel Contos was an absolute, absolute legend. It is incredible, her story. So make sure you go back and check out that special Tuesday episode we put out. Also, I put out an episode on Tuesday with my mom. Pretty cool. First time she's ever done a podcast. It was kind of funny, but she, yeah, is such an amazing woman. And yeah, let's jump into this episode with Byron Dempsey. How you going, mate? Really good, man. I'm excited for this. Yeah, me too. I'm very intrigued and inspired by all the work you do. We have very similar values and ways to view the world. So I want to get to know your story a bit better. Good Humans podcast is a little bit different to the sort of podcast you run. Yours is very conversational. This is a bit more about you yep. getting to know your story. And yeah, hopefully we can all learn and be inspired by the journey you've been on. So let's go back to the start. Where did you grow up? What sort of family life did you have? And what sort of values did your family instill in you from a young age? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, and I think something I said before is I think one of the greatest privileges you can have in life is good parents. Um, I think that trumps anything else. And for me, I was blessed to have really amazing parents. So I grew up in New Zealand, actually, a small country town called Timaru, which is about two hours from Christchurch. And so it was very cold, but um, it was a great way to grow up. Like, it was really great because I moved to Australia when I was like 12. So I did all the primary school, all of my childhood in New Zealand. Then I came to Australia and um, it's just a phenomenal way to grow up. We go mountain biking every weekend. My dad's big into mountain biking. So there's a phenomenal mountain biking tracks around that area. So we go mountain biking there because um, it's a small country town, not very dangerous. Everyone kind of knows each other. So you just kind of walk around. People know each other. It's kind of like Strangers Things sort of vibes with people riding bikes everywhere, that sort of thing. So that was really, really great. And, um, you know, my family always instilled good values. I think my parents sacrificed a lot financially in order to raise us more than most parents. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I got home, my parents would be home um, from school. I got home at three o'clock, my parents would be there, either mum or dad, and they'd kind of be doing stuff with us. A lot of my friends, when they got home, and I was jealous of them, their parents would be home until five or six o'clock. And so they got free time to do whatever they wanted. Um, but in hindsight, it's like, but my parents sacrificed a bit of that to um, be with us. And they ran businesses um, their kind of entire lives, most of them failed um, or they sold them or whatever. 
Um, now my mum's got a successful business, but that probably helped me entrepreneurially as well. So even little stuff like I used to be into Lego and we used to, ha- there was this device that came out which would allow you to separate the bricks. So sometimes the bricks would get re- stuck together and you couldn't break them apart. And my mum inspired, dad inspired me to like bulk buy like a thousand of them and sell them to friends and like that sort of stuff. And I think that goes a long way in terms of like instilling values and in who you want to become. So very grateful for how I grew up and yeah, I, I love my childhood, which I think very few people can say. Yeah, I think having that reflection back to your childhood and it's so cool that you do look at it like that is really special. Something, one thing, do you have siblings? And then what was that yeah. trip over like moving from New Zealand to Australia and what was the reason behind that? So I got two siblings. I got one younger brother and one younger sister. Uh, brother's 21, to give context, I'm 23, and younger sister's 19. Um, and to be honest, the reason we had, there's a few reasons we moved, but... I think in 2010, on Christmas Eve, our house burnt down. Wow. We had a huge house fire. Whole house was gone. Like it was still standing, but everything was charcoal, black. You know, we lost everything. Anything that we could recover was just engulfed in smoke. So the smell was horrendous. So even I've got stuff that we recovered to this day, like 15 years later, and you can still smell the smoke. Um, now, luckily, we weren't in the house. And this is where the funny thing is in terms of perspective. People always have the same reaction mm. when I say, you know, our house went down. They go, oh, I'm so sorry. And they say, and it happened on Christmas Eve. And they go, oh, well, that's the worst time for your house to, you know, burn yeah. down. But it's not because that's the one, what's the one time a year you can guarantee we're going to be away with family? Mm. Christmas. True. So we were at my granddad's house. So no one was hurt, which is ultimately the most important thing. So that kind of, we had to rent in like a, you know, pretty shitty little house for a year or two. And then we moved to Australia, rented it again for another year. I, my bedroom was in the garage, which is good fun. Um, and then eventually we got our, our home and we couldn't even afford a home in, in Sydney at the time. And so we had to split it with my grandma. So my grandma owns half our home. And um, yeah, that transition was interesting. I think it was perfect timing for me because there's not much opportunity. Once you hit 18 in this country town, there's no opportunity. Mm. Like there's nothing to do. And so what, with what I do now with my podcast, with everything I do, being in Sydney has allowed me to do that. It gives me access to people, networks and everything that New Zealand just doesn't have. Even in Auckland, like New Zealand's very limited. Australia is quite limited as well. Um, but there's a lot more opportunity. So the transition was interesting. I say my accent got bullied out of me. I don't you know, like Australian culture, you know how they kind of say Australians can be a little bit racist or joking and stuff. And it's not on the nose. I feel like I kind of experienced that because Kiwis... You know, they take the piss, but it's like two, three years later, they're still making the same jokes. And it's just like, all right, guys, come on. Yeah. And, and you say, you know, sex and they say six. Oh, you want to have six with me <laughs> or whatever, six or whatever. Um, so the transition was fine though. Like I think it was my seventh school. Wow. And I had one main school, but I jumped between different schools when we were traveling and stuff. So I was used to being a new kid mm. and used to that uncomfortable making friends. So I settled in quite, quite well. Yeah. It sounds like you had some forced opportunities to become very resilient from a young age. Yeah. Can you remember back with the house fire, what sort of what vibes, not the word, what sort of feelings were going through for one you, it might be quite too, quite long ago, but more so looking around at your parents, because mm-hmm. I can imagine it would have been so difficult for your parents to be resilient through such an incredibly tough time for a fam- for your family. Yeah. My mum actually said kind of recently, she was like, they really hit us from the trauma of the house fire. Um, you know, like I remember she was saying mum and dad were being investigated for like three weeks to see if our house had just been insurance. Exactly. And like, you know, my dad had to go, they had like a whole team watching my dad as he explained the electrical circuit that he had like kind of put together and stuff and how it worked. And they were like, it's like, we were just, we just dealt with losing everything. And now they're like, oh, you could be criminals. Of course they have to do it. That's just processes. Um, for me, you know, walking through it was emotional but I don't remember it being that bad as a kid. I don't know. Just when, when you're a kid, stuff doesn't hit that hard. Like I, I even remember when my grandma died. I don't think I really comprehend. I think I was too young to really comprehend the, the scale of what had happened and the money that we had lost. Like we had insurance, but like you lose a lot of money. Yeah. And you lose, you know, mum lost everything that we had as kids. So there was no Dropbox or Google Drive. Mm. We lost all the photos of our kids. We lost, she had boxes of like all the stuff that represented us as babies and everything. She lost all that. She lost a lot of family stuff. So yeah, it was, I think it was very tough times for them. And they'd also moved to New Zealand. By moving to New Zealand, they'd sacrificed some high paying jobs. So it just felt like we've moved to New Zealand. Businesses haven't worked out too well. And now our house has burnt down. And now we're about to go back to Australia. All our friends have now made $600,000 in growth on their properties. We sold our property. Now we're coming to Australia. We can't even afford to buy a property. Um, but ultimately... 
we were never broke or poor. Yeah. We always had money coming in. It was just just enough each week. And I didn't know this. I only know this in hindsight. Yeah. As a kid, you don't know. So it's funny, like, as a kid, I don't think I really minded too much. But you mentioned, like, those opportunities to get out of your comfort zone. I think that was littered throughout my childhood. My dad would always push me. When we were mountain biking, we'd go up higher than we should and we'd eat shit. And if we eat shit, you eat shit. You break a bone, that's part of being a child, in my opinion. So I think that really does help get me to where I am today because I'm constantly trying to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I think we are, especially nowadays, I look back at my upbringing, even at my local beach where I come from, North Narrabeen is very, we call it grommet abuse as surfers. You kind of get intentionally bullied to harden you up so that you can somewhat be ready for life. And nowadays the parents almost shelter kids. And I think Mm. it happens across all industries, across education and across sport. You get participation awards, you you like barely can fail if you just stick it out at school. And I think it's important to build resilience to fail. I think failing me now having a small business and trying to grow in Mm. podcasting and my business, my favorite thing to do is make mistakes because it means I learned something. And if I'm learning from it, it's not really a mistake. And I know listening to a lot of your content, you have a very similar mindset going through school. You touched on briefly bullying coming from with a bit of an accent i've actually had a lot of kiwi guests on this from anton leonard brown one of the all yeah. blacks uh taylor clement one of my ambassadors and yeah. then also billy stam and another um kiwi surfer i love the kiwis yeah yeah the kiwis are legends oh, new zealand's a magical place yeah i love it so coming over over the little water gap we have there you touched on bullying what was it like for you in high school because high school is something that you do talk a lot about and your whole mm. business now is based around the high school experience what was your experience like in high school? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I completely agree about failure. Like there's that quote, the master has failed more times than the student has tried. Mm. And so failure is a crucial part of success. And I completely agree that kids are being coddled and like parents are just keeping them like, oh, don't do this, don't do li-. No, that's not how to raise kids in my opinion. Um, but yeah, for me, I look, people wouldn't even say it's bullying because in Australia, it's just kind of like banter. Yeah. And like, I never thought of it as bullying as younger, but in hindsight, people are like, oh, you lost your accent. And I'm like... It, no joke, jokes aside, it literally got bullied out of me. Mm. Like, I just got sick of people just saying, you know, sheep fucker, or, sorry if we can swear or not. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> or like, one, two, you want to have six on my dick or whatever. Like, it's all funny, but when you, the thing is, you go from one class, people laugh, then you go to the next one, same joke, same joke, mm. same joke. And so from your perspective, it's like, oh, I haven't heard this before. But from them, it's all fresh. Um, so, I mean, that was, I'm pulling stuff out of it. Like, I'm, I wasn't really bullied. But, I mean, for me, I think a lot of people have this perception I hated high school because I talk a lot about how much I disagree with the education system. Mm. It's not true. I actually enjoyed high school. Yeah. I enjoyed the social aspects of it. Um, in my final year of high school, I did two major works, um, which is where you get to like work on one project for a year, which was so fun. I did one. I rebuilt a motorbike from scratch, um, a Suzuki GN250, which is really fun, like build a cafe style. My teacher would stay back with me. My dad would come in, the three of us would be working on it, like phenomenal for visual arts. I did a video project, which I put my heart and soul into and ended up getting top marks in New South Wales. And then everything else I sucked at. So not sucked, but I was very average at exams. I just really am not good at memorizing. Uh, I don't memorize stuff very well. Even for like Empower You, this program I run, like we're doing 12-hour days of presenting. I don't memorize stuff. I learn the content and memorize some key points and then I can just expand on each point. Mm. If you can't memorize 12 hours of content yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's impossible tough. not impossible very difficult so i just disagreed with the way we were memorizing especially when it came to writing essays so like yeah. i literally learned how to write an essay was to take the year 12 we got the best mark above us you take their essay pretty much copy it word for word and then in an exam you just like reshift it for the question yeah. to ad- that adapt it to the question i always heard that adapt to the question i'm like but shouldn't we be it just doesn't make any sense to me it's like yeah. this how am i going to use this in the real world and that realization started to come to me probably subconsciously and a little bit consciously in final senior years where I'm like, when am I going to use this in biology? Like, when am I going to use this math? When am I going to use this English? Almost anything I learned in the final years of high school, none of it was that practical to apply. Sure, it's good to have, but by choosing to do math, you're choosing not to do something else. Opportunity costs, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, you don't think we should be learning math? No, I do. But I think there's more important stuff we could be learning that trumps math. Absolutely. And when I say math, I mean advanced Pythagoras and stuff. I think basic math, of course, is very important. Mm. But we're talking about senior. I really specialize in talking probably about 11 and 12, yeah. the final years of high school. I actually saw a really funny meme today that was like, I'm so glad I learned so much about parallelograms at school. Because, it. Paral- it. Yeah, because parallelogram season's coming up right now relating to like tax season. And yeah. it's like, 
It's so true. There's so many. The four things that I kind of think we really miss out on. One is well-being. Obviously, that's my yes. topic with the good human factory and this podcast trying to encourage people. Funny enough, though, is like super important, difficult to teach. Yeah. And this, this is the thing that I wanted to touch with and talk to you about. I mean, I was going to say off air and hopefully I'll jump on your podcast as well, which we will talk about. Absolutely. But something that really happens is the teachers feel like they they have a lack of education. It doesn't come back on the teachers. I believe it is important to have more outside influences come into schools and educate mm. in different topics because to think that the handful of teachers that you have in your school are going to connect and educate you and build that engagement is completely wrong. Like we don't yeah. engage with everybody we connect with. We get put in that classroom. It yeah. makes it very difficult. And that's, that's a danger of primary school when you get one teacher for yeah. a year, which is an interesting concept when you think about it. like having one teacher for a year, like that can stuff a kid up. Yeah. It did stuff my brother up, to be honest. It, he, interesting on that. Sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say he, he had a teacher that, God bless her, I'm sure she's a great teacher. He was a bit of a shit kid, but they just did not connect. And so mm. for a year, he just became like this, you know, delinquent or whatever you want to call it. And that affected him long term, I think. Yeah. Well, my younger sister, actually, she's a primary school teacher and they've got a big lack a shortage of teachers right now she's in her last year of uni and they've just offered all the last year uni sc- students to graduate early still have to do two days a week uni but get them a three time three days a week full-time job oh nice and to like sort of summarize the story quickly one of my cousins goes to our local school and they te- they've been like losing teachers all the time and the her mom my auntie is like oh it sucks right now they just keep losing the teacher but it's actually probably setting them up for a good thing to like continue to have to learn from different people. And yeah. the, the, t- the parents are all bummed because they want that structure. But sometimes yeah. that lack of structure can be beneficial. And now they've offered my younger sister the job to teach that class because they're just struggling to find teachers. And Yeah, I mean, there's benefits and disadvantages. Benefits, you can build a relationship with the kids. You know what they're going through. You've got, all, all, you've got a relationship with their parents and stuff. The downside is if you've got a certain style of teaching and that doesn't apply to your kid, they're stuck for a year, mm. which can be brutal. Like I remember in primary school, you're like praying to get certain teachers. In high school, I do remember the stakes the stakes aren't as high because it's like it's just one class. But if it's a class you love, like economics for me, I love. But year twelve, my teacher just dropped the ball, and I just yeah. hated the subject because all we did was read from a textbook, which is not how I learn. Yeah. I learn from doing stuff like that, asking questions, getting engaging and stuff. Mm. So yeah, there's pros and cons. Yeah, I find similarities with that. My favorite topic in like year eleven and twelve was my topic that I did the worst in. But I was the most interested in that was modern history. Like I was yeah, so yeah, fascinated yeah. with like why the world is the way it is. Yes. But and it's still like and this is something this will relate to the second topic that I feel like we're so lack of it, like have such a lack of education and that's politics. Mm. I feel like I knew know more about German politics for World War Two than I do about Australian politics now. Yeah. And in my mind, like now I say that out loud, it's like it's fucking crazy. Like I had James Griffin, the Environment Minister for New South Wales, on Good Humans a few weeks back. And it's been my least performing episode. And I'm just like, it just is such a good example of the way mm. that we look at it. It's like, oh, that's not, I don't need to know that. And the more that I think back to that conversation, I'm like, it's one that everybody should go listen to because you're probably going to learn something. And it's until politics affects us, we don't look into it. We almost just vote what our parents yeah, say to vote. But I mean, I think politics is always affecting you. It's just, it's over time and it's kind of like a subtle, like mm. you don't know what's going on and stuff. But I agree, politics, I've actually been looking to get someone on to do a politics, like one-on-one. Like I don't piss all. Mm, I, know, I know nothing about politics. And I feel like we're pretty switched on people yeah, yeah. Who, and I'm like, who are willing and literally like have the humility to say we don't know anything. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm constantly learning learn. and I'm interested exactly. in this stuff. And if I don't- And not, it confuses us. Yeah, if it, I mean, I just haven't, I haven't learned it. Like, I don't know where mm. to learn it. Mm. Unless I wanted to get into it. I'm sure if, if I wanted to learn it, I'm, I could. Absolutely. Um, but I do want to do like a basic episode, as you, as you mentioned, because I think that's super important. Yeah, I think that's fun. So like there too, well-being. Um, I think that's where we are seeing a decline in mental health because people are getting permission every single day. You hear radios on the ad. Here's the number to call. Here's how to spot the signs. Mm. And like I keep saying, it's super important to know, but I feel like the whole market of mental health is saturated in that area. Mm. And that's why I love people like you talking about it in a different way and going like, hey, it's because we've got a fundamental problem from the beginning in the education system and mm. we need to begin to adapt. And Bro, everything stems from education. That's mm. why I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, every problem on the earth can be solved through education. Climate change, no one's doing any climate change. We can solve it if we educated the next generation to believe in it and understand the impacts. No one's born a racist. People have uh, negative, no, positive connotations with education, but it's equally as negative. Absolutely. You're, you're educated to become a racist with it or, you know, misogynist or whatever it is. That's through education. So we can solve 
it's like the almost the baseline of everything we do is through education. Mm-hmm. So if we can mental health and all that. And even like the way I approach mental health is less on the nose. Like you could easy pitch empower you as a mental health program. We don't talk about mental health, but we teach you how to change your emotions. We surround you with incredible people. We get you dancing. We give you a phenomenal time where kids are crying. We, we get you to think back to your childhood. We get you to do an exercise, which brings out tears and emotions and like all this stuff. We don't pitch it as mental health because it's just a personal development, but like that'll do more for your mental health than a lot of things on the market right now. Absolutely. Um, and that's my thing. It's like, if you want to improve your mental health, my opinion is get outside, surround yourself with better quality people. Yes, go see a therapist or, you know, talk to people, but do it in tang, you know, together with these other things. Don't just rely on a therapist or just rely on, you know, a, a pill for your depression or whatever. Like there's so much more you can be doing. Yeah, I'm massive on that. There's a good book. I don't know if you've heard of it called Lost Connections, Johan Hari. No, I haven't. I do speak about this quite a lot. I know you read books and stuff. That's one that I've read a lot of books and that's one that I like plead people to read yeah, because okay. I'm, before I read that book, I did have a lot of, it was very skeptical around the whole pharmaceutical industry when it came to mental health. And yes. once I read that book and it showed a lot of the studies behind that in the fifties, they did like a lot of studies around the chemical imbalance that we've been marketed and told mm. through the media, that's what's wrong with our mental health. It's like something like two to 5% or something is because of the chemical imbalance in our brain. And the whole other is around like lost connections around all these different things in our life that we're disconnected from yet we're almost told that so much of it is through that. I actually did a few of my own just individual little Instagram poll studies on like, if you're using antidepressants, did you get offered something else before getting offered antidepressants? And I think it was something like 75% of people said they weren't. That's insane. Like, that's insane. And the thing is, the thing about young people is they would do anything they possibly can to avoid work Mm. or like any way out, they would take it. And that's, that's, they're just full of excuses, man. Like COVID has brought out excuses. They're like, I just, I don't want to go out because of COVID. It's like, dude, it's nothing's going to happen. It's basically everyone, it's run through the whole city now. Like it's just, I could pull out excuses. Like everyone's full of excuses. And so it's super, super frustrating. So if, if a doctor says, oh, I'll take an antidepressant, this will fix you, they'll take it. If they don't have to go for walks, they don't have to do anything else, it's an easy fix, mm. they'll take it. And that's not a, to, you know, be. I'm not saying this to belittle young people, but it's like, that's how we've grown up. We'll take any any exit. Like, and that's yeah. a great, I've, you probably heard me talk about like Jesse Martin who sailed around uh, the world solo. He um, was the f- youngest person in the world to sail around the world solo. He's Australian. He did it in 1998, 17 years old, 11 months he spent by himself going around the world on his boat. And when he was asked, how did you succeed when so many others have failed? He said, because I had no exits. Whenever I felt down, I, you know, I would give up. I gave up multiple times. But as soon as I give up, I'd, I'd start heading to land, but it was three weeks away. A week later, I'd feel good. And I'd be like, you know what? I can do this. And so the reason he was able to succeed is because he had no exits. Um, if he had an exit, he would have just given up because he gave up so many times. And so many people, young people, have to wait too many exits. They have exit, exit, exit. Parents give them the exit. Like empower you. Before Empower You, it's a two-day program, right? We normally have two or three kids who don't come back on the Sunday because they can't cop it. Mm. It's too much work for them. Or they, oh, it's not for me. Or it's like, and parents let them do that. Like, would your parents have let you just pull out of a program? Like, no, my parents never would have let me do it. And then they love it by the end of it. And for the first 10 years, no one would ever pull out because parents are like, nah, you're doing the program. We paid yeah. for it. But these kids are like, oh, I don't want to do it. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, little, little Jimmy. You can, yeah. you, know, you can come home and sit on your PlayStation for all, all Saturday, Sunday. And then the parents, the the kids are happy with the parents and the parents are happy because the kid's happy. But long term, you're actually damaging your child because you're not giving them what they should have. Yeah, and resilience is such an important thing. And there's a lot of studies around resilience being pretty much one of the most important traits. Traits like successful and talent will only get you so far. There's a great book uh, called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Unbelievable. That was one of the first self-development books I read and that really opened my curiosity to self-development and realizing- I did, sorry, I did an episode with two guys in Melbourne who read a book a week and I've got a whole podcast on it called What, what Will You Learn? And I've written an amazing book. Mm. And I went and asked, what book would you recommend to young people? I think one of them said Grit was the number one book wow. to get started on. Yeah, that was one of the first ones I remember. I remember I was at a surf comp in Japan and I had my best ever surf result. And like each night I just built this good little routine where I'd come home and instead of sitting there on Netflix, I'd sit there and just like read until I mm. like got tired and then I'd take a nap. And then I ended up having a really good result. But it just, if you can find books that really pull you in and you can actually implement the things that you learn. And that's mm. what's something that you're really big on is trying to actually like, you can be told so much good stuff. People might be listening today and hear so many things like, Oh, I need to get more resilient, but mm. what are you going to do about it? Like yeah. when that thought comes in the road, 
that's a difficult situation or the easy route out. What are you going to do about it? One that I like to say is if you could put up in appeal something that's going to make you like have a happier life, that's going to make you lower your heart rate, it's going to make you calmer, it's going to improve your relationships, would you take it? And everyone says yes, but then you go, well, if you get all of these benefits from 10 minutes of meditation a day, mm. are you going to do it? And people mm. say, I can't find the time. Yeah. Oh, like that's you, bullshit. Yeah. Even the busiest, Elon Musk could find 10 minutes in a day to meditate. Absolutely. And that's where a big thing with my, um, with the good human factor is the 1% club. I don't, I'll explain it to you now actually, because mm. there'll be people listening. So I had a realization oh, probably 250 days ago. Now I was sitting there doing a meditation. I was like, fire out. Like, I know all this great stuff. I'd market it and say about it all the time, but I probably didn't have the accountability myself. And I mm. learned through these groups that I did with somebody that you're 95% more likely to stick to something if you're in an, in, uh, in an accountability group. And then I was like, fire, maybe I can create some accountability groups for myself to make sure I do 10 minutes meditation a day. I was like, surely being the mental health guy, I can do 10 minutes a day mm. and I can do three things I'm grateful for because I understand the benefits of both of them. And I was like, all right, maybe I can package this up nicely so one percent of your day we should all agree we can spend on our mental health like, yes so i was like one percent is 14 minutes of your day so i was like 10 minutes meditation in the morning four minutes of gratitude at night nice and that group's grown now i was telling you before this to like 700 i think close to 800 people now every single yeah. day getting this but it's that dedication and that accountability that comes with yeah knowing i actually have to implement to see change so many people are waiting for that pill to pop up that's mm. gonna change something or it's the instant gratification pill which mm. is huge like again that's something young people suffer from massively like the the new commodity in the world right now is speed like look at uber amazon the biggest company in the world one day delivery i think they do trying to do like six hours in america or something like oh, everything is speed is crazy uber eats like everything is speed netflix beat blockbuster because you can watch movies faster mm. everything is speed we can dish like we can get any movie we want we can get anything we want now like you mentioned before that like you know implementing they used to say knowledge is power because it used to be power. But now with the internet, knowledge is potential power mm. because anyone can get information. It's people who actually implement it. Mm. Um, how many people say they want to start a podcast? You know, how many people say they have this business idea, but they don't do it. But the 1% thing, that's a cool concept. I didn't realize that's where the 1% name came from. 14 yeah. minutes a day. Yeah, it's 14 really minutes. And that's where the podcast, the 1% podcast, which is my other podcast I host, that's a platform for me to share some gratitudes from the 1% club, yeah. but then also share one topic that I find curious because I feel like I've learned so much that I want to get to share. But the 1% podcast is always less than 14 minutes. So it's yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't take that much of your time, but you'll probably learn something or be inspired. Going to move on to the next sort of little stage that I want to talk to you about quickly. And that's your journey into podcasting. And you kind of touched on it then really quickly. Where did you find that courage to jump over the line and actually do it? And yeah. what was that process? Because it is quite daunting and it is at the start, always, like you said earlier, you don't get that many views. What was that journey like for you starting? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like, do you, I don't know if you've had the same, do you ever look back on stuff in your life and you go, how the fuck did I do that? Mm. Like, I, I don't know, I genuinely don't know how I did that. Like, it's same with the podcast and like no one was starting podcasts. And look, 2018, it was still a big industry, but yeah. it wasn't your everyday person was starting Especially it. Especially over here, not young people. It was mainly celebrities, Hamish Nandy, radio hosts, whatever. Um, First of all, I had seen the potential at the podcasting conference, which made me go, holy crap. And I just spent two days learning all these strategies, seeing everyone who had their podcast. I was like, my God, this is such a cool space to be in. Yeah. Secondly, Glenn com Glenn's company is called Dent Global. They run a flagship program called the Key Person of Influence. They specialize in helping business owners become the, the go-to brand in their industry. For example, you know, the go-to brand, let's say, what's an example? I guess I'm trying to be the go-to brand in the education for young people space. So whenever people go, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that I think education needs a an update. Oh, you should find, listen to this guy Byron Dempsey. That's who I'm trying to be, mm. and that's kind of who I'm trying to build my brand to be. So whenever people think of dentistry, they think of this guy. This is, he's a dentist in the space. Yeah. They think of mental health. They think of Cooper or whatever, and w whatever it is. And so they they help you write a book. They help you publish content. They help you build your brand. They help you nail your pitch, articulate your ideas. So I sat on all those workshops. So I think by being around yeah. there for two years straight, um, I'd seen business owners go through it. I'd seen like there are a lot of dumb business owners out there. Like I'd seen some people who should not be running businesses and they were still doing it. Um, so I think that probably made me go, well, they can do it. I can do it. Um, and then again, I just did it. I had the idea and I did it. Yeah. I was like, this is a cool idea. I want to do this. That would be really fun. I could learn from people. I'll do it. Yeah. And there's this concept that um, we talk about called the audience and none, which is what would you do to an audience of zero people? If you're on stage, what would you perform 
to an audience of zero people? Would you be a doctor if you couldn't say you had a PhD, if you didn't put doctor in front of your name, if you only got 70K a year instead of a quarter of a million, but you still got to help people? Is, is that, if that, because that's the main reason you should be a doctor, not for the other things. Yeah. Those are status. Yes, you know, they're great and then you should still have them, but what would you do to an audience of zero people? And podcasting to me is almost the most literal example of that because unless you're someone who's already got a name for themselves, you're going to have an audience of zero people when you first start. And so how do you get through that? If you're getting fixated on the numbers, you're not going to last. Because as I said to you before, 85% of podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. So it's super, super important to have an audience and none concept when going into podcasting or anything in general. Yeah, I think it's and something that I've kind of lived by and you'll like this as well being a content creator is if the first thing you put out, you look back and you loved it, you waited too long to put it out. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And then going kind of off this whole why and it's really nice to hear you speak of it like that. Do you like, I'm surely you know Simon Sinek? Yes, start with why. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good start point for people Phenomenal. from TED a talk. resource point of view. Yeah, from a resource point of view, the TED Talk, Simon Sinek, start with why. I get so inspired by that. I've picked up so many of my skills just from looking at other people who are doing really well in the thing. Yeah. Like you're a great example. Like your TikTok and your way of growing through TikTok, I'm super inspired by and I'm really trying to mimic a lot of it. Where did that passion with social media come and content creation, because I know you said at high school that was something you were passionate about, but where, yeah. did, you, where did you discover TikTok as a platform for growth? Well, first of all, yeah, you're right. Like I think Martin Scorsese said, if your first draft doesn't make you feel physically, physically sick, then you've done something wrong. Yeah. So if you're posting it and you look back and you go, that was good. And I look back at my content and I go, it was good. I'm, I think it's very good for what I had at the time. Exactly. Very different to my content now. Yeah, me too. Um, and so how I got into TikTok was... I was very, I mean, as I mentioned, my job was to grow this guy's social media. So I was running marketing campaigns. I was paying, I was, you know, spending like 15, you know, I don't know. I was spending like three grand a week on ads, not my own money, but like his money. And I was responsible for that. We were running, filling up workshops. I was growing, boosting videos. We were posting content. I was learning how to edit using different systems and stuff. And I was very hyper aware of the importance of building a personal brand and how important that is for you long-term. So that's where I went. Podcasting would be a great way for me to build my own personal brand using video content. I've got the cameras. Again, I use my DSLR camera I won in high school. I still use that today and my iPhone. And I still use my iPhone today. Um, so don't let equipment get in the way. I spent like $400 on Amazon microphones and I still use them today. I've got good mics now. These aren't even mine. I just use these because my roommate has them and he's a musician. So for me, podcasting was huge because I could kill multiple birds with one stone. And then TikTok, I was posting on Instagram before Instagram Reels and that, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and getting pistol. Like I'm talking four or five views a video, mm. which is probably just not even a view because no one's actually watching it. So I was getting nothing. I was putting all this work into it. And um, again, I was still doing heaps of other stuff. It was still fun creating the content. But then when I lost, when COVID hit, I lost all my clients from my main business, my video marketing agency. And I had all this free time and I had the COVID government benefit. So I had some money coming in. I had to move out of my office and cut costs and everything, but I had some income coming in. And I was like, I'd been on TikTok for a little bit and I'd already posted a few on my other account, like a, just an account. And I had a few viral videos unintentionally of like my dog and stuff. Me too. I and I stupidly still didn't recognize the power of the platform after getting multiple viral videos on my other account. It still took me like three, six months to get onto it. But then, because I had free time, I was like, I might post this on TikTok. And I started posting some, I got a thousand views. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, started, I kept posting some more ones. And then there's one video on mental health, still one of my biggest videos series today called Boys vs. Girls Experiment. Mm. And um, there's a conversation about how men might actually be more emotional than women. We just don't show our emotion the same way that women do. And people associate emotion with like crying, which men might be, if they're angry, that's still an emotion. So that was an interesting experiment of toddlers. And I posted that video and I remember it hit 18,000 views and I went to sleep. I was like, sweet. And it kind of stopped at 18,000. 18, I was like, sweet, 18,000 views, that's insane. And then I woke up and it was on like... 800,000 views and I had gained 20,000 followers overnight and I was like holy shit this is insane and then that video got me to like 30 to 40,000 followers which doesn't happen anymore mm. like I've got I had a video I hit 500,000 views this week and I gained like 100 followers so like it's a bit of TikTok economics there but that was when I was like oh my god this is huge so that's when I started doubling down on that more and more and then I just kept posting but a funny thing is you know even it might look like I was confident from the outside and, I, and I, I was and I was enjoying the contents. A limiting belief that I had was the first set of viral videos that I had, none of them were me talking. It was always my guest. And I was like, people aren't going to know me. Mm. This, is, this account's Byron Dempsey. 
people aren't going to know me. They're only going to know the guests or they're going to just know of the, like the podcast or something. I can't get a viral video with me. And I thought, oh, maybe that's just because I'm not good enough or something. Mm. But then I got a viral video of me. And now I've probably had more viral videos of myself than I have of my guests. And so it just kind of shows like you just got to stick to it. It's just consistency. Yeah. And we say like if you go viral in your first TikTok video, it's like the worst thing that could happen to you yeah. because it fucks you the expectations. Absolutely. You get addicted to the growth. Um, only now after like two and a half years does it not bother me at all. Like at all. Even like a year ago when I was a year into it, I was like, you know, you have periods where you get no followers and nothing's coming through and you're so used to that growth. You're so used to checking comments and seeing all this stuff that when it doesn't come through, it's like a with having withdrawals or something yeah so yeah that was tiktok for me yeah i think a big one as well is like trying to really create not consume yeah and it's like i know from experience that you don't have any of your notifications on because yeah. sometimes it's hard to get your message back and i do the same yeah with um with well, instagram yeah. and tiktok it's just not worth it it's like I mean, i'll I give guess, you my number because then you can yeah. actually get in contact yeah. with me but like i just like to add that it's pretty funny no no it's true i'm 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 pretty bad to um i think you were in the wrong section on my instagram or something so but yeah so, i don't have notifications on Except it's, for text message. Yeah, which I think is good. And it, it comes back to that kind of create, don't, don't, don't consume, but consume for the right reasons. Consume yeah. to be inspired, consume to be educated with topics that are important rather than looking at stuff that are edited photos of yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, that's and not... Like, I've learned so much from TikTok. Like, I also don't like the... I have a love-hate relationship with it because I think it's very toxic. It's unbelievably addictive. But like, 100%. I, I've learned a lot from TikTok. If you mm. follow the right people, like... I've got a folder of videos with quotes and all this cool stuff and I'm always like watching them. And there's some amazing stuff on that platform. Yeah, I love that. I want to quickly touch on one last thing, Empower You. It's such an amazing... Actually, no, I want to touch on Gap Year. Yeah. We've kind of talked about Empower You already. Yeah. Gap Year is a bit more of your project. Yeah. Tell us about Gap Year because I think it's really special because I'm very lucky. I've traveled the world yes. time and time and time again and I know how privileged I am with that due to my surfing career. And one thing that I have noticed is my most the most education i've got is through seeing cultures through through getting put in really uncomfortable situations mm. and i got that through travel yes what's the gap year all about so it the gap year is called intentional gap year program it was basically i had this idea like i have a fundamental belief that no one should ever go to university straight after high school mm. there's no one's ever given me a good argument against it they go oh but i'm ready for it how do you know you're ready you're 18 with respect you don't know if you're ready and even if you are 100 ready why not take some time off? Yeah. Why not travel? Why not have some fun? You've just done 12 years straight of schooling. You deserve a break, right? Why do you want to jump into it? What's the rush? Absolutely. There's literally no solid argument to justify jumping straight into university. It's always going to be there. You can take a year off and go straight back into it. You might be a year behind your friends. No one cares. Like, yeah. No one cares. University isn't like school. There's going to be different ages in your class. So, I, I, But then when people take, they, how do I take a gap year? Do I just sit around playing PlayStation all year? Nah. Um, you know, I believe you can learn, you can try jobs, you can travel. There's so many things you could be doing. So my original idea was to like create a gap year program where we have different careers they can try. They can we'll partner with like Kentucky and different places where they can travel and do all this cool stuff. And then I, I launched the beta program as a three month program. And then I actually changed the name to the Driven Young program. Um, the issue with gap year was number one, some woman sent me a cease and desist from America, which was bullshit. Like I could have, she had no grounds. She had no grounds. She was in America. Like, yeah. Um, but I wanted to change it anyway because the issue with the intentional gap year name was it only attracted 18-year-olds. I'm really looking to go for like 18 to 25-year-olds. Like there's so many people who are at uni right now who have no friends and they're craving social gatherings and friendships. And I'm like, well, join this program because we'll give you that and you can, we can teach you some stuff as well. Um, so it's not like a full-time program. So now I've, I'm actually almost finished it. It's the three-month program called the Driven Young Program. And every Monday night we do workshops on financial literacy, how to build your resume, um, you know, investing whatever it is it's just storytelling we, we just did one on and then we also do a social meetup every weekend um pub crawl house party um camping trip boat party tomorrow's a bush hike so like whatever it is and it's just a really cool way to connect with people have a bit of a tribe have a bit of a community you can bounce ideas we've got our own social media platform and um yeah it's been interesting i would love to go back to the intentional gap year model of like a whole year I just need a lot of money and a lot of time yeah. and a lot more resources to do that. I don't have any of that yet. Um, but the program has been, I think a good success. Like it's been it's the worst possible time to run it because we got hit with COVID and then it's been raining nonstop, Yeah, but it's been good. Like we've got some really amazing young people in that program. Yeah. I think it's so important and something that you hear time and time again, people going from school straight to uni it blows my mind. How many people do business? Like it business, absolutely blows bro, my mind. Business psychology and law. 
three of the not most useless three of the degrees I see people doing when they're not sure that what, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They go, I'll just do psychology. Yeah. It's a big commitment to just do it on a whim. And yeah. it's, unless you actually want to be a psychologist, it's not super helpful. Yes, you'll get something out of it, but what you could have done in those three years, opportunity cost is greater. Business yeah. is the worst example. Oh, business, business blows my mind. You go and do business to come and work for somebody like me or you who didn't go and do business yeah. and built a business yeah. and need to employ people yeah. who... Yeah, business it, degree isn't for uh, entrepreneurship. It's for like corporate and going into management roles. Yeah. But people don't realize that. Yeah. And um, seriously, people... The yeah, issue is... University is just a... Well, the issue is like a lot of people, they get addicted to this feeling of security. We're conditioned to have security from like a young age. So in year five, you know, next year you'll be in year six. Then you know you'll be in year seven. And even if you travel or you do something or something happens, you know you have that security each year. As soon as you finish year 12 or you hit 18 and you're like, holy shit, what am I doing next year? I don't know. It's not laid out for me. There's no blueprint. Oh, wait, I'll follow the blueprint, which is university. And that'll give me, buy me three years to figure my shit out. It'll buy me three years where people, when people ask me, what am I doing? When I, I, then I. Yeah, I feel like I'm a success. No no one's going to question me because I'm doing university. That's what smart people do. Then they hit year three and they go, holy shit, this feeling's coming up again. Let me do a two-year master's degree. Now they're 24. They're doing, they've just finished and they're like, wait, now what am I doing? Let me take this job that I'm, I don't really enjoy. I might as well get a job and leverage that degree. Otherwise I've wasted 50 grand and five years of my life. And then bang, that's where you get quarter life or midlife crises and people don't enjoy their life and they go down that route, which they don't want to do. Well, that's when people get trapped and they get a job that they don't like and yeah. they buy a house that they don't really want yeah. and they can't afford. Yeah. And then you end up being like, well, I need to stay in this job to afford it. And it's this yeah. vicious cycle. And you speak about it a lot. And anyone, make sure you go over and check out um, Byron's Driven Young podcast because what you've got over 100 episodes now yeah yeah 100 Sam Fricker was 100 yeah Sam Fricker's a legend Sam Fricker's been on here we've had a few common guests Sam, yeah yeah Steph Steer was last week's episode so yeah maybe I guess before we wrap up tell everyone where we can find everything about you where's your, Byron Dempsey Google Byron me Dempsey. TikTok it's all Byron Dempsey or Driven Young my website's Hopefully, by the time this episode's out, my website should be live, my new one, which looks amazing. So I'm pumped for that. Um, so Driven Young or Byron Dempsey, feel free to message me. I respond to all my messages. Like, just feel free to DM me with any questions or if you enjoy this episode, and yeah. I'll, I'll definitely respond. Absolutely love that. What's on the cards for you next? What's uh, I, know oh, you, I know you're not like a couple year down the line goal kind no, no, of no, person no. because life is all about not reacting, but all about kind of being open and flexible. Yeah. What's the next six months looking like for you? Um, I'm about to launch a new project to help young people get into the property market. So I'm working on, I'm actually purchasing my first property now, which is really cool. And um, we've got a strategy and partnering with an old client of mine who's a legend. He's been in the market for 10 years. He's got about 1,200 students and we're um, helping people in Sydney get into the property market with no savings or like you don't need a high income job. And, um, you know, that's that's very, very exciting. So they can get in the property market. That's a big thing. We're working on growing the podcast network. This new Men vs. Women podcast is coming out. I think it's going to be crushed. Uh, it's going to crush it. I'm just getting management for my brand. So hopefully I can get some more deals coming in. I've really got to prioritize um, money this year because I have never prioritized money. And I think it's limiting what I can achieve. Mm. Um, now I've got more money coming in. I'm hiring an editor, which is freeing me up for more time to do stuff. So I definitely want to get more money coming in. I'm working on season two of my sexual assault podcast. We're trying to partner with a really big company potentially spotify might might buy that for us cool which will be really exciting because that's a, something i'm quite passionate about and um yeah empower you as well empower you is huge like we're looking to start running that without brent and expand that and grow that because the impact that has is massive in terms of like impact now and then just i want to travel more as well i haven't been able to travel of course for the yeah. past few years have so you done much travel um not as much as i want to like i've been places but i haven't done like long term and stuff but i'm trying to build my lifestyle up so that I can travel and still earn money, which I, I could now. Yeah. But then I've got the Driven Young program as well. So that's a big priority as well. So that's a big revenue stream if I can grow that. It's been a challenge. So I'm still figuring out how the program's going to work and who, am I, who I'm going to attract and everything. But that's kind of the main projects I'm working on right now. Yeah. Sounds like you're juggling so much. And like you said before, you're 23. Like as much as sounds like you've got it all figured out, it also is nice to know that you've, I feel so similar to you. Like I'm a couple years older, I'm 27, but just having like all these ideas. One thing I want to quickly touch on because I'm going to be inspired and educated yeah, yeah. by this. How do you manage it all? How, what's your time management like? Um, I think when I list all those projects, it's worth noting none of them are like like season two of Consent and Consequences, right? We've, I haven't done anything on like that for two or three weeks because we're waiting for emails to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the program, again, that doesn't take up too much of my time. Editing podcasts, like it sounds like a lot and it is a lot for sure. Like I work every day. You know, we get up pretty early. We stay up quite late working, but like, 
what a new system I've just come up with is each, this is, you know, specific to me. Yeah. Monday is Driven Young Day. Tuesday is Driven Young Program. Wednesday is Byron and Pace, which is our other podcast account. You know, we have a whole day dedicated to that. Thursday is Driven Young. Again, I edit the podcast on Thursday. Um, Friday is then kind of whatever I've got left I need to do. And so I'm trying to dissect my days up into different things and really just focus on different projects. But this is also for me, the year of outsourcing. Yeah. Like I need to outsource more. Having this editor has been game changer for me. I want to get a VA on it. You know, I want to outsource, have someone come into the, we work upstairs, we got an office upstairs, have someone come in there. Um, so yeah, it's really just, I don't do too much hobbies though, which I probably should do more of, but I, I love what but I do. Entrepreneurship to, is a hobby. Yeah. It's seriously honest, so fun. Like, like yeah, flying up learning. to Byron Bay to run a program for a bunch of young people is a hobby for me. I love that. There's nothing more I'd rather do. Even though it's exhausting and you're completely fucked by the end of it because you've just done 24 hours of presenting, like there's nothing I'd rather do. So, yeah, I think – and I also believe while you're young, you know, we could have a whole other podcast on the hustle, hustle culture, right? But I think you know, at least while you're young, like you've got to work hard. Like you've got to put in the work now. I've got no responsibilities, dude. Mm. I don't have kids. I don't have a significant other right now. I'm single. I I have no responsibilities outside of myself. So I've got all the time in the world to just double down. Now I can outsource, slow down a bit and do more traveling this year, hopefully. Yeah, I love that. You got good mindset around it all. And it's very nice to hear someone of your age not being trapped to such self-limiting beliefs. And I feel like so many people think they can't achieve stuff Yeah, because of time, because of money. But it sounds like you haven't really come from money. You haven't come from anything other than putting your hand up, saying yes to opportunities. And Dude, the thousand doors, man. Like, yeah. you know, the thousand doors, you've heard me talk about that? Nah. Oh, it's just, it's just that if you imagine you're in a room, right? And everyone's in a room right now and there's a bunch of doors there. Doors represent an opportunity. Just saying yes to an opportunity. Uh, now, most people don't open doors because the room is comfortable. It's warm. They love the room that they're in. But growth doesn't happen inside that room. Mm. If you want to start changing your life, start opening doors. When someone invites you out, say yes. Yeah. My God, young people are dropping the ball so bad right now. I work with hundreds People just don't show up. This property workshop, dude, I, I put it out to 26 people said they're interested. I, pre, I had a workshop, one person showed up out of 26. And these are good quality people that I would have recommended. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a, I just said, I'm going to help you buy your first property with no savings. We have a strategy that works. I'll come. Yeah, you can, dude, I'll help you. If you want to get into it, let's link it up 100%. I'll show you those opportunities. There's no financial commitment until you like want to do it. Yeah. Um, and we, I've got a podcast coming out that shares all the details about it. But like... The thousand doors, just start taking opportunities because behind one door could be a thousand more doors yeah. and you never know. It could be one door. You open it and nothing happens. But who knows what's going to happen just by you reaching out to me and saying, hey, mm. can, I come, can, you, can you come on the podcast? I say, yes, you come on my podcast afterwards. You introduce me to this person. I, I meet up with them, blah, 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 bang. I connect with whoever you know. We leverage each other's networks, bang. A thousand doors have been opened just by us meeting. Absolutely. I'm so inspired by having this chat because I know – I knew, and it's kind of always like you're playing chess. Life's like a game of chess. You're always going to be moving pieces around the board. Not like linking up with you as chess, but I was like, all right, we've got mutual connections. I'm yeah. sure I can probably get my foot in the door to come and like literally I'm wearing your studio yeah, yeah. right now. So I got my foot in the door. Um, but having those, just say, like you said, saying yes and that act of confidence and asking questions. And if you get let down, so be yeah. it. Yeah, you got to get used to rejection, which is something we're going to bring up on the Men vs. Women podcast. Mm. I think women are a lot, a lot they're not as used to rejection, yeah. Uh, especially in the dating world and stuff. And you, you don't realize as much as it sucks for guys constantly getting rejected and stuff, it helps you a lot in business because you've built up that mentality of, all right, next yeah. one, next one. That's why sales is one of the best. If you, someone who's done door knocking is a very, very you know, good person to hire because I've been rejected and rejected and rejected. Yeah. So yeah, that's a very, very powerful skill to have along with resilience, which yeah. I guess they go hand in hand. Yeah, and that's like something I always talk about is like criticism is like being able to take criticism and look at it in multiple ways and yeah. like no matter what the criticism is take it as a positive is like so so important bro i get and a lot of criticism on tiktok yeah like oh. that's what i was saying before Byron and pace our entertainment podcast no criticism everyone loves it mm. the educational podcast where i'm actually trying to Everyone's impact and help huh? people people like they're like i hate you they just say it they're like oh, i hate this podcast or something and it's like it cuts like it yeah, hurts bloody it does so like you gotta get used to that stuff for sure especially if you're gonna put out content which sucks which is where i say like if people want to do what i'm doing or even what you're doing when you're at the scale I'm at where you're getting like, you know, millions of views a week, it's like, you gotta, you gotta be in a good mental space. Yeah. Otherwise it can spiral out of control. Mm. It can be hard to deal with it. And that's something I spoke about recently on my 1% podcast is like destructive criticism. Like I break it into like constructive I criticism and destructive criticism. And I think there's a lot in that. It's like when you can really lean into that empathy and be like, oh, there's a reason why they're saying that as much as it wants to hurt me, like 
they're hurting. The mm. only reason somebody's saying that sort of stuff to you is because they're hurting and that's something, yeah. But another one with network, I want to yeah, – I've got some, like, kind of, like I said to you before, James Griffin, the mental health minister. Mm. I mean, the environment minister, um, Bronnie Taylor, the mental health minister – and I just met his EA and she was a legend and she was like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to some people if you ever want to meet the education minister. Mm. So it'd be cool to chat to you and we'll try and set up like a little Dude, task force between like I took Sam Fricker in to speak to James because he's the new environment yeah. minister. It'd be great to come and just set up a meeting with the education minister for New South Wales and be like, look, this is the response we're getting across our social platforms. This is what people are crying out for. How mm. are we going to make this different? And that's, that's my ultimate goal. And I, I have felt like I know it's a mammoth task to change the education system. Don't get me wrong. People Absolutely. like, it's not, it's not as easy just to change it. But you start I didn't somewhere. say it was easy, but you do have to start somewhere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, Finland are doing it. Yeah. I had the head of education, who he's ex-head. He now works in Australia. He, he came on a podcast. We did a Zoom call. Yeah. And he was very fascinating. He's written two books on the Finnish education system and how it works. They don't do any exams until you're 18. They have the happiest, high, highest levels of happiness for like young people. Mm. And um, your teachers are well-paid, well-respected, unlike our teachers here who aren't very well-paid. Well, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine paid, but they're not that respected. Like yeah. no one goes, wow, you're a teacher. Like they go, wow, you're an engineer, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor. My son's a doctor. No one says, my son's a teacher. They're kind of, oh yeah, they're a teacher or whatever. Like, my sister's a teacher. Your sister's a teacher. Like it, they don't get the respect they deserve, in my opinion, because mm. it's one of the most important uh, roles in society. Absolutely. And as a result, we end up attracting kind of shit teachers. Like you had shit teachers, I'm sure. Yeah. We shouldn't, we should not be having any bad teachers. Teachers who don't care, who it's, aren't nurturing. It's unacceptable. You should not be having any bad teachers at schools. Like it's too important of a role. We're shaping the next generation to have a bad teacher and everyone has bad teachers. And then you know the difference between a bad and a good teacher. It can change the entire perception on the subject. Mm. So yeah, bit of a rant there, but nah, uh, getting get fired that. up. And, and it's hard as well. I think the thing with teachers is they're coming through a system themselves. Oh, do you know how many teachers have reached out to me? A lot. And I'm mm. not just saying that. I've had 20, 30, 40 teachers individually reach out to me. Like, Byron, I agree with what you're saying. We're just as handicapped. I'm like, I know. It's not your fault. Mm. It's not the teacher's fault. It's the system, which is why meeting with like the education minister is a great thing to talk yeah. about. We'll set that up. I'll yeah, for sure. Going. And it's I'm like, it'd be interesting to talk to him and see what we can do. Because like, I also am big on consent and I've just added consent in the, into the education system. Yeah. Big win, right? I just don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. In my opinion, Based off the track record of the Australian government, I don't think they'll do it effectively. We have we have sex education at school. Yeah. It's dog shit. Yeah. You don't learn a single thing. I don't think consent will be any better. I think that's why it's important to have outside sources come in who it are rents. a bit more advanced or who are at least engaging like myself and yourself. That's yeah. why we're trying to go into schools and do this stuff. I'm actually, it would have come out on Tuesday that it's just passed for International Women's Day. I'm having, Chan- I don't know if you've met Chanel. I don't know her last name. Um, Chanel. And I was like, wow, you'd be an amazing person to have on for International Women's Day. So that would have just come out on Tuesday for everyone listening Sick. to this. And I can't wait. I haven't had that chat yet. So it's a bit of a like, we're in the multiverse right now, kind yes. of talking back and forward. But anyone to go listen, go back and listen to that. I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting yeah. conversation because she's, um, yeah, made a lot of noise in that area. On and consent? Really, yeah, on consent. Yeah. So I'm like, like Brent, who does who I did my consent podcast with, right? He, um, it's interesting because even you hear like there's a few women who've spoken up and stuff, and I, I think those women are more attacking the government side, like mm. reform. What Brent and I are trying to do is atta- is get reach yeah. to the everyday Australian. Yeah. I want young men to listen to this podcast, mm. and hopefully they will because the issue is you know the, you we know I think there are a lot of dumbass young Australian men out there, and yeah. they don't want to listen to two women almost attack men for being rapists. That's a lot. There's a lot of podcasts out there where women do that. And so that's where it's like by having two young men kind of talk about it. We've had people hate us for that. Yeah. We've had people love us for it. It goes either way. They go, two men can't talk about this. Or women go, it's so refreshing to see two men talk yeah. about it. But having Brent, like you should see him present. He is next level. Yeah. He gets the boys laughing their ass off. And the next minute he's telling them that, you know, you, there's 10 people in here most like are going to commit a crime. Or, like, he gets very intense. Yeah. And even from Empower You, like the amount of hours I've spent practicing my presentation skills learning stories how do i keep them engaged how do how many stretch breaks do we do how do we do different strategies using the auditorium getting them talking to each other doing discussions that's how we run empower you that's how i present at school it's just like if you know the content they can teach it mm. you can't i said yeah. this before like you mentioned before you've got to be engaging you've got to use stories be relatable yeah. that's how people learn and so if i'd be surprised how they can scale this consent class in the yeah. education system and a lot that of the teachers, said, I'm sure, are very scared. Oh, they'll be they themselves. And that's why well-being is so hard to... Half the teachers don't even know this stuff. Exactly. This, they weren't taught at the school. They don't know how consent works. You know, it's actually quite multi-layered. Um, so, yeah, it's inter- It's better than nothing, for sure. I'm glad it's happened. Yeah. But 
it'll be interesting to see how effective it is. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm really excited for the chat that I would have had when this comes out. But um, I think just having the humility to be like, fuck, you know what? I've been wrong at times. I was looking through her Instagram just yesterday, and there were some things that I was like, far out. I've been probably in a bad situation. You know, what I mean, yeah. I've probably made girls uncomfortable over my yeah. time, and like. I completely apologize for that, but I think it is because of that lack of education. Yes. And that's an interesting point. What we like to say, because women constantly victimize men. They say, they're assholes, they're, you know, all this sort of stuff in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's true. Like, we're not trying to justify anyone who's committed a crime, but it's also like a lot of these men don't even realize what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing is wrong. And uh, there's a lot of young, young men out there like yourself who, and as you listen to our podcast, you can't help but think of situations you've been in. Oh, mm. you know what? Maybe I could have asked her just to double check. Yeah. I could have done this to make you feel more comfortable. Maybe I should shouldn't have done that. Whatever. We're not saying we committed crimes or anything or you committed crimes, but it does get you thinking. And that's the great part of the podcast. Mm. And it's approaching it from a more empathetic and healthy relationship as opposed to just attacking, attacking, attacking. Yeah. And as a result, we go, put your shields up and just shut off. Yeah. No, I think it is good and it's a healthy conversation. But, man, we've gone on some tangents. Yeah, yeah, I, I love, love it. it. This is like a real tangent podcast for me. And, yeah, I've, I'm hoping everyone listening has been super inspired by the work that you're doing, also your journey, kind of your upbringing, how you got to where you are today and your willingness to say yes to things, your willingness yeah. to try and use your why to get to where you are. And then, yeah, obviously the growth that you've had with the podcast is super inspiring to mm-hmm. see using all your skills to combine to make something not just useful and grow, but also something that really connects to your why. But the question I finish every podcast with, I don't know if you probably haven't even heard one, so you're going to get a stump here, but is what does being a good human mean to Byron Dempsey? I think being a good human is really just sticking to your values. It's someone who is only wearing their mask. They're not wearing any mask, sorry. So we talk about like the concept of mask. Like when you're with your friends, you put on a certain mask. When you're with your family, you put on a certain mask. Take it off. The most authentic version of yourself now, obviously, we have different opinions and values and stuff, but I think treat people the way you want to be treated, those sort of things. I think just always try to leave the room making people feel better than they did mm. and just just be, be there for people. Yeah. Show up. That's a big thing. People just don't show up. Like, there's people in my life, um, there's nothing they couldn't ask me that I wouldn't do. The closest, probably five people in my life. They could ask me anything because we've got such a strong relationship and I have so much respect for them. You just show up. I think there's almost a level of honor there. It's like, I'm honoring, you've done this for me. I'm going to honor that and do this for you. No exchange of money, just, you know, helping each other out. So I think being a good human is just sticking to your values like wholeheartedly. Mm. Hopefully they're good values. (laughs) And just, you know, always trying to improve and not chasing money. I think don't, audience and none concept, right? Chase impact, chase growth, chase contribution, give back, that sort of thing, because that's going to make you more fulfilled internally rather than being fulfilled externally by validation of others. So yeah, I think that's what's being a good human yeah. is for me. Service is everything. And I love that you touch values. Values is the whole basis of my Good Human Factory workshop. Mm-hmm. Living with good values, the byproduct of that is good mental health. Yes. And that's kind of what Good Humans podcast is all about. Having people like yourself who have the self-awareness to know that. And hopefully more people from listening to this podcast can develop that self-awareness that if yeah. we can live by values and actually sit with those values and show up and live by them, not just say they're our values, yeah, the more good humans there's going to be in the world. If you've got, if you put your values out there, you're going to attract people with similar values. Mm. And if you're struggling, if you're wearing a mask when you're with your friend groups, you're never going to attract these type of people because you've constantly got that mask on. So you're not going to attract that. Whereas if you take it off and you just show these are my values, these are who I want to surround myself with, it's going to start, people are going to start coming in. Mm. And again, probably the most important thing in your 20s, I think, is to find good quality people. Yeah. There's one thing that's changed my life and my mental health more than anything is having good quality people around you. The hardest thing for me during podcasting everything i did was i've always done it on my own mm. so once you can get people like dale my roommate who just met like you don't let go yeah yeah i'm excited to try and bring someone under actually nathan uncle nathan if he's listening he probably will be listening i've been chatting to him i really want to bring a business partner on because ideas is good with one like if you want to yeah. go fast go alone if you want to go far go with others so. the rising tide lifts all boats right and that's the mentality you have to take in this world that's why we connect like i guess we could be considered competitors right you mentioned it off camera yeah. like we're in the same industry but it's like nah, but we just leverage off each other yeah i leverage your network you leverage my network 
And um, yeah, it's it's, it's so yeah, important. Willing to do that, like no one's competitive. There's enough happiness out there in the world for everyone. There's enough success out there for mm. everyone. And yeah, I mean, we can just keep throwing yeah, metaphors yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forward all afternoon. But thanks for jumping on. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat, getting to know you better. I'm sure the audience will be super inspired by what you've done. I'll leave everything in the show notes to go and check out all of the great things you are doing. That from gap year to your podcast, I get super inspired. So make sure you go check that out. And yeah, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Hopefully, I take you into Parliament and we can sit. Yeah, yeah, the education minister and start making some big changes from yeah. the ground up. But yeah, Byron. my pleasure, man. And I guess I guess to wrap everything up, I'd say there's one of my favorite quotes. I just want to finish on this quote. Yeah, let's do it. Is um how you make your money is more important than how much money you make. Ooh. And I'm just like, if, if, you, if that's the one quote you take away, like how you make your money is more important than how much you make for young people. I think it's a game changer. So Absolutely, yeah. live to your why. And yeah, Byron Dame, uh, Byron Dempsey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me on, man. Pleasure. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.